Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're sharing a session from CX EMEA 2020, exploring a critical topic for CX professionals, building emotionally resonant customer journeys. Discover the latest on creating connected and effective customer journeys at CX North America, Forrester's must-attend event for customer experience professionals taking place virtually on June 7th through the 9th. To learn more, visit for.com slash CX2021. That's forr.com slash CX2021. Let's take a listen. Welcome to this session about segmenting and benchmarking customer journeys. My name is Joanna Quintanilla. Yesterday, Martin kicked off with an exercise theme. He talked about CrossFit and home uh, gyms and fitness equipment. Well, today we are going to talk about cake. Now, so often when it comes to cupcakes, all the focus is on the frosting. And it is amazing what you can do with frosting. Cupcakes have a very high experiential component. They appeal to people who value creativity, aesthetic design. We want more than the sugar rush. We want an experience. Some people have called them a frosted hug. Now, a cupcake needs to taste as good as it looks. When it comes to the cake parts, to baking it, the cake needs to rise to the top of the paper case or just slightly above it. When we add the frosting, we need to add enough frosting to balance the cake, but not so much that it makes it sickly. We need about a 70-30 ratio. And when it comes to peeling the wrapper off the cupcake, you need to have enough cake left over to stand proud. Now, you may be wondering, what does this have to do with segmenting and benchmarking customer journeys? Well, it turns out that customer journeys are a little bit like a dainty, delicious cupcake. When it comes to baking cupcakes, we need, of course, the optimal ratio of ingredients of eggs and butter and flour and sugar. Now, when it comes to customer journeys, we're not talking about an optimal ratio of eggs and butter, but we do need an optimal ratio of positive to negative emotions that shapes our memory. It turns out that a good journey is a journey that strikes a delicate balance between positive and negative emotions, like the ones you see in this emotion wheel. At the center, you have the core emotions and then varying degrees and complexities of emotions as you work your way out. These are the ingredients that we need to understand and balance when it comes to customer journeys. But the problem is that in business, we often equate emotion with delight. And we need to stop doing that because we are missing out on emotions that play a really important role when it comes to retention and loyalty. Emotions like feeling appreciated and feeling valued, feeling confident, that are at the top of the list when it comes to loyalty eliciting emotions. When Fidelity Investments examines the journey that customers take to grant others permission to trade on their accounts, they realize that making the journey seamless and quick wasn't what customers were looking for. Customers didn't mind the extra hurdles and the extra time 
if they have the sense that 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 Fidelity was doing um, security checks in the background to keep their account safe. So some of those negative feelings, perhaps around impatience or frustration or even a little bit of stress, actually contributed to the customer's feeling that their account was being taken care of. Designing delightful moments may charm customers some of the time, but it misses the full scope of the role that emotions play in building enduring relationships with your customers. We welcome all emotions because emotions are, in essence, impulses to action. A great experience is not equal to the absence of negative emotions. Negative emotions can work for us. For instance, guilt can actually increase our moral fiber and make us better people. Self-doubt makes us take stock of our skills and actually enhances performance. And anxiety helps with problem solving. Of course, we don't want emotions to get out of control because that then impedes the intellect. The cognitive space and bandwidth that is required for the worrying and for, or for those negative emotions gets in the way of other tasks that we might need to complete. So what we're talking about is an equilibrium between too much stress and too much numbness. We are trying to operate within a window of tolerance. What we don't want, of course, is our customers crashing through the mental barrier between too much stress and too much numbness in an uncomfortable storm of emotions. So how do we establish this optimal ratio of positive to negative emotions that shapes our memory? Now, we've done some research on this and we picked four journeys, a buying pet food journey, a uh, signing up for a streaming services journey, a home furnishings buying journey, and buying a home journey. And we looked at these four uh, journeys and we did some uh, uh, quantitative research. We surveyed customers about the emotions they felt in these journeys. And we ran focus groups for some of these journeys to understand what is this optimal ratio of positive to negative emotions. Let me share you what we, what we, let me share with you what we found. So to establish an optimal ratio of positive to negative emotions, the first thing we need to do is actually understand the makeup, the emotional makeup of journeys. And that means understanding the baseline of the journey. This is the emotion that people arrive with. Emotions don't just pop up out of thin air. We arrive with a certain emotion. It's influenced by our emotional history, our individual traits, by the environment we're in, the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, for instance, that influences the baseline. We also have a curve, a journey has a curve, an emotional curve that is made up of memory making moments that spark emotion. We're interested in what emotion customers have, but we are even more interested in what they're doing that sparks that emotion. And those memory making moments are the ones that matter the most, if you like. They, we need to focus on fine tuning those moments that shape memory the most. And finally, a journey has an emotional punch. That is the afterglow or the special effects. It is the ultimate impact of the journey. And in essence, what this is, is these are the stories that customers tell themselves and family and friends about the experience they had. It's how they make sense of the experience through the stories that they tell. So we need to understand these three things, the baseline, the curve, and the punch. 
So how do we go about uh, starting to understand the baseline? So what we did was we looked at the four journeys that we picked and we uh, thought about uh, the complexity and the intensity of these journeys and actually found that this is a pretty good way of actually assessing what the baseline is of that journey. So complexity in terms of steps, channels, the bandwidth required for that journey, and intensity in terms of the fear of missing out or the fear of better options or the, the commitment required, um, how long we're signing up for something, or maybe the reach that means um, maybe it impacts other people in our household, for instance. So looking at the complexity and the intensity of the journey actually helps us to build a hypothesis about what the baseline is of a customer journey. So if I were to create a two by two framework of complexity against intensity, and I took the four journeys that we picked, it might look something like this. You've got your pet food buying journey, which is low complexity, low intensity. This is a pretty frequent journey. You've got buying a home. That is a high complexity, high intensity journey. You've got your home furnishings journey, which is high complexity, a little bit lower intensity, um, high complexity because it often involves more channels. For instance, you go to a physical store, perhaps to look at a couple of options. And then you've got your streaming service journey, which is lower complexity, but higher intensity in terms of emotion. And actually, when we surveyed customers, this is exactly what we found. And you'll see in the next uh, image why the streaming services journey is higher intensity. When we ask people about their overarching emotions for each one of these journeys, people tell us that for streaming service, there's high confidence, there's high excitement about this journey, and there's low anxiety. Compared to the home furnishings journey, which where there's high confidence, low anxiety, but modest excitement. So hence the difference between intensity of these two journeys. The pet food journey is a high confidence, low excitement, and a low anxiety journey. And your buying a home journey is a low confidence, modest excitement, but high anxiety journey, hence the intensity and complexity of this journey. So this two by two, you can use this two by two to create a hypothesis about the baseline of your customer journey. Next, we wanna look at the curve. So what is the curve? The curve are these memory-making moments that spark emotion. And essentially what we want to do is we wanna think about four different types of memory-making uh, moments. Intended emotional peaks, these are the high points in your journey. These are the signature moments maybe where you really call out your brand and differentiate the journey, create a really high positive emotion for the customer. You've got your intended emotional valleys. These are your low points to tolerate. These are things that the customers maybe not loving, but they're prepared to tolerate this. And in fact, it actually sometimes adds to their sense of fits that they've actually chosen the right product or service or like with fidelity to their sense that somebody's doing work behind the scenes to actually keep their account safe. So tolerable lows are important. Then we've got important steps in the journey. These are our moments of truth. They're make or break moments that actually help the customer to progress in their journey or maybe get in the way of them completing the journey and derail the journey. And finally, you've got unwanted emotional valleys. These are essentially your pain points that you want to over time, hopefully remove from the journey. So this is your emotional curve. These are the four types of memory making moments that you want to pay attention to. Then you've got your emotional punch. And as I mentioned, this is the afterglow, the special effects. And in essence, it's about the emotions that customers have that drive feelings and that drive thoughts and that drive moods and that drive judgments 
and ultimately drive the stories that customers tell about the experience that they have. And in fact, Daniel Kahneman said something that is very appropriate here. He said, what we take away from an experience is a story. We don't choose between experiences. We choose between memories of experiences. So we need to understand these stories. What are these stories that customers are telling themselves after they've had the experience? And the fact is that when they relive these stories, this again prompts thoughts and feelings and other emotions. So these memories morph over time as well. And that's why it's important to understand how these stories also evolve over time. Now, the punch is incredibly important because of course the punch is what we remember from the experience and it resets the baseline. So this is a cycle, of course, it's feeding into how customers re-interact with us again, but also potentially sequential journeys, journeys that are happening in parallel. So let's look at the pet food journey. Let's start there. Um, so if we look at this journey, remember this is low intensity, low complexity. In terms of the baseline, the overarching emotion for this journey is confidence. Customers are confident about this journey. When we look at the curve, and this is where we ran focus groups for this journey, we asked customers about those four key types of memory-making moments that I just mentioned. So we asked them about the high points in the journey, we asked them about the tolerable lows, we asked them about the pain points, and we asked them about those make-or-break moments. Let me just highlight a few of the things. You can see that there's lots of things here, lots of insights that can actually um, help and, and impact lots of different aspects of the journey. But let me highlight a few. A lot of the high points, of course, are actually to do with, does the pet actually eat the food? So that high point is happening at the customer's home, very far away from where they've actually purchased the product. But it's also about the compliments that they receive from breeders and vets and from even in-laws and other family members. There's a sense of pride that I'm taking good care of my pets and they look well, their well-being is, is apparent from their, um, how, they, how they look. There was also a lot of joy around sounds and movements, uh, uh, tails wagging, uh, dogs going around in circles, like a kid on Christmas, we heard one customer say. Um, and there's also some high points around the local delivery. So people care about actually helping community and, for instance, getting food, uh, pet food from local farms. So that was another source of high points. A lot of tolerable lows around the research that people, people do a lot of research before they settle on one particular type of pet food. They ask, they, they go to communities, they ask vets, they ask the breeder. Um, a little bit of some tolerable lows around different products that they're buying, maybe cookies and, and dry food and other, other different types of food. Pain points, gen a lot of pain points around packaging. So uh, is it recyclable, uh, the size of the packaging? Do I have enough space to uh, store it? And of course, the smell of the food. Um, apparently, a lot, of the, a lot of pet food is incredibly smelly. Um, make or break moments, a lot of that is around the rejection of the food, of course, um, but also, also the delivery time and place. One customer shared that, for instance, they had some food delivered and it was left outside their door in the middle of a heat wave. Um, so that's a definite no-no that derailed the journey. They never ordered from that uh, particular provider of pet food again. So that's your emotional curve. So what do you do with these insights? Well, you, with that understanding, you can put that lens over your journey, recontextualize it in your journey map, um, and look at the journey through the lens of that emotion. Have we designed this, taking into consideration what things are that matter to our customers, the memory-making moments for them? Look for opportunities, things like maybe reviews and testimonials from breeders and from vets that could help the customer make a decision. Um, 
the choice, the amount of choice online? Are you striking the right balance? Is that still a tolerable low or is there so much choice the customer is getting lost and it's becoming a pain point actually? When it comes to important steps, making sure that you're using those opportunities to design the journey, to make sure that you have that right balance between the highs and the lows and you have these four types of memory making moments. A lot of these things are functional. Functional drives emotion. And actually, many of these things, of course, impact different stakeholders in the organization, uh, packaging, product development, the formula of the food, uh, partnerships with uh, delivery firms or maybe local farms that you might be uh, looking at. So lots of different insights that impact many different aspects of the business. So what is the emotional punch of this particular journey? And this is something that uh, we heard lots of different types of feelings and lots of different stories. And I'm going to share a few with you. There was pride, there was stress, there was relief, there was joy, there was frustration. If we look at our wheel of emotion, there's all these things happening. People feel playful, proud, confident, thankful, but also disappointed, let down, anxious, worried. This is what people told us in their own words. These are the stories that they tell. We bought this massive bag of this air-dried food and she wouldn't touch it. Feeding the cat is a pain. It's the last thing that I do before going to bed when I'm absolutely knackered. The food stinks, I have to wash up after, so there's a negative emotion. That was a really low point, having to start all over. We had that, what, we had that with one brand of cat food. The cats love it, but it gave them chronic diarrhea. Not a punch that you're looking for. I'm constantly cleaning cat food off the walls. I don't know what they do with it. It's everywhere. So these are the stories people tell after they engage in the experience. Let's look at a different journey. Let's look at buying a home journey. Remember, this is a high complexity, high intensity journey, which we know in terms of the baseline means this is also a high anxiety journey. And we verified this by asking customers, what is the overarching emotion that they feel for this journey? When we looked at the curve, similarly, we ran a focus group for this journey and we identified high points, tolerable lows, pain points, and make or break moments. Highlighting just a few, a lot of the high points, of course, are around uh, getting uh, approved, uh, getting to the end of the, of the process, getting your keys, walking through the door as a, as a homeowner, but also looking at those diminishing payments over time actually um, uh, on a mortgage dashboard or uh, on, your, on, on your bank's websites. There was a lot of this, this journey is an ongoing journey. It doesn't finish when somebody signs up for their mortgage or even when they make their, their first payments. People are actively going and looking at those diminishing payments and that gives them a high, that gives them a sense of satisfaction. Um, a lot of people want to do the right thing when they buy a home. They don't want to throw away money and rents. They heard that from their parents. And so there's a sense of I'm doing the right thing. And they want to see those diminishing payments and they really check in actively on them. A lot of tolerable lows, not, not surprisingly around paperwork and around um, comparison websites, for instance. But this is an important one because this gives customers also a good sense of fit right? They, they know that going to a comparison website is part of the process. It gives them some reassurance that they've done their homework and they've been diligent in choosing the right mortgage. So it's a tolerable low. There's pain points around the timeliness of acceptance and rejection, too much paperwork. So that's tolerable low around paperwork. There's a, tip very, there's a tipping point at which that becomes a pain point where people feel like now I'm being asked for too much documentation. And we need to understand what that tipping point is. 
a lot of the make or break moments, people that walked away from a choice of a particular bank around the feeling of distrust, being asked for too much information or unreasonable information or the dismissiveness of staff. So a lot of the human components can really derail this particular journey we found from customers. So again, we take those insights, we take a look at our journeys and we look at them acknowledging the emotion, looking at them through the lens of that emotion, identifying opportunities to strike a balance between those highs, like proactive communication, maybe paying attention to our mortgage dashboards. Are we designing that to really create a high for the customer? Things like clear instructions around paperwork, perhaps, and important steps like making sure there's clear expectations around the time frame. People can manage that and know what's coming next. And that we're removing pain points around perhaps dismissiveness of staff. So training employees to, um, to really acknowledge the emotion that customers are going through in this particular journey. So once again, different types of insights, some folk functional, some more emotional, some more symbolic, and they impact different parts of your organization, different stakeholders, the web team, product development, uh, the branch staff, lots of different parts of the organization. When it comes to the punch for this particular journey, there was pride, there was rage, there was stress, there was indifference. There was relief, a lot of relief. A lot of people felt very relieved at the end of the process. But there was also doubt. Did I do the right thing? Was that actually the right decision to make? Lots of different emotions, positive and negative, this delicate balance of different positive and negative emotions from indifference to anxiety to frustration, but also feeling successful and trusting in our, uh, in our choice of bank and in the people that we're interacting with or a broker that has advised us, for instance. So when it comes to uh, actually um, uh, the stories that people tell, these are some of the things that we heard. Relief, it's over. The whole process is a bit of a black box, but you have to get through it. We also heard we have to stick with it because of the notary costs. Otherwise, we feel enough rage to take our mortgage elsewhere. As soon as we can, we're out of here, even if the rates are higher. I have this ridiculous loyalty to them because they were the only ones that would give us the time of day when we first moved and needed to open a bank account. So actually this person already has loyalty that comes from a previous journey, the punch, the emotional punch of a previous journey. Owning your own place requires a lot more work than renting. Tongue in cheek, we sometimes say we would have been better off living in someone else's home. So here's the doubt. So now that we have looked at how we go about understanding what this optimal ratio is of positive to negative emotions, of course, we need to measure this. Um, so how do we do that? In terms of measuring the baseline, well, start by segmenting your journeys. Look at the segmentation, complexity versus intensity, and survey your customers. Uh, validate the, what are the overarching emotions that they have for that particular journey. Measure the drop-offs, early drop-offs in the journey that could be due to emotions out of control. Remember, emotions out of control impede the intellect. We want a balance of positive and negative, but not emotions out of control. When it comes to the curve, make sure that you have done the qualitative research to identify what are those high points, tolerable lows, pain points, and make or break moments. What are the ones that you can control, that you can do something with? Measure the drop-offs at those choice points. When it comes to the emotional punch, measuring completion of the journey is important, but that's not enough, as you've seen from a lot of the stories that customers tell after they've engaged in the journey. 
you need to also measure the afterglow. So ask yourself when you're collecting feedback at the end of the journey, are you doing that at the right time? Are you checking back in with your existing customers a little bit after they've engaged in the journey to find out how they feel about that um, a year after, or maybe uh, two years after, before they re-engage with you maybe in a next journey? What's the impact on the customer lifetime value? How does it affect other journeys that they're potentially um, engaging in? And look for more nuanced emotions. Look for those stories that customers are telling. So we need to measure the baseline, the curve, and the punch in these different ways. But of course, journeys also have a maturity scale. Um, we uh, are all different. Customers are different. Um, of course, we look at segments and personas, and that's a great point, a great place to start. But we need to recognize that customers are different, and also things change. We get a new pet. Our pet becomes ill. Um, we get divorced. Uh, we have a baby. Our kids go off to university. Journeys are changing. They're dynamic. They're evolving. So when it comes to looking at journeys and looking at the baseline, the curve, and the punch, we start off by focusing on a segment, perhaps. So who, who is actually on this journey? But over time, we want to understand more about individual customers and their individual baselines that are informed by individual traits and emotional history. So over time, we want to get more sophisticated in understanding these individual customers and the journeys that they're on, their baseline, curve, and punch. In terms of what we're doing with the insights and what we're trying to transform, we want to look at product innovation. Are there opportunities for us to change things in terms of the product, the features, the pricing of the product, perhaps? And also reaching a little bit further and being a little bit bolder and asking ourselves, are there some business model innovations in these insights that we can use? Can we actually change who we partner with, manufacturing, distribution, etc.? So if we consider this in terms of the pet food buying journey, we might start by looking at a breed or perhaps a new pet owner versus an existing pet owner and design two different journeys for those different emotions that those different segments have. And over time, we want to look at individual customers and look at somebody that has multiple pets or maybe a pet with a health problem. We want to look at product innovation, features, formula, packaging. We saw a lot of insights that could be turned into opportunities here and business model innovation. Maybe there is a totally different way of actually delivering and mixing foods and giving people an opportunity to trial foods so that they avoid that rejection of, uh, of the food. So how do you get started um, with, uh, with, under, with this understanding this optimal ratio of positive to negative emotions? Remember, a great experience maintains an optimal ratio of positive to negative emotions that shapes memory. I'm going to be a little bit controversial here, and I'm going to say that actually you should start by trying to understand that punch, trying to understand the stories that customers are telling after they engage in the experience. Explore existing customer stories and their nuanced emotions. Go back to the feedback that you're collecting at the end of the journeys and look for those nuanced emotions. Ask customers, what are these stories that they're telling? What is the overarching story that they're left with after they engage in the experience and start there. That will help you to prioritize those journeys that perhaps you think are doing fine because the completion rate is high, but actually when you look at the emotional punch, those are not positive experiences for your customers. Move on to the curve. Make sure that you're identifying high points, tolerable lows, pain points, make or break uh, moments in the journey. 
you have to do the qualitative research here to identify what those memory-making moments are that spark emotion, identifying what matters most to customers, what does value mean to them. And similarly here, you've got to do the qualitative research to understand these memory-making moments. The baseline, use the beginning to set an empathetic tone for the customer. Use a segmentation um, two by two framework that I shared earlier and start there in terms of understanding the baseline. Take a new look at your journeys and ask yourself, are we designing this journey, taking into consideration the fact that it's a high anxiety journey or a high confidence journey, or maybe that we need to um, strike a high and create more excitement in this journey? Ask yourself, are we using this journey and particularly the beginning of the journey to set the right tone? Of course, over time, you want to scale and many of you have portfolios of journeys that you're looking at. So let's say that you're a financial services company. You might want to take more of your journeys, multiple journeys, and actually use this two by two framework of intensity versus complexity to segment your journeys. Maybe your open a bank account is low complexity, low intensity. Buying a home is highest complexity, highest intensity. Your financing or getting a loan journey is a high complexity perhaps, but um, lower intensity of emotion. And your savings journey is higher intensity because there's more excitement perhaps um, in this journey in terms of what you can then do with those savings later on. So use this to look at all of your journeys, your whole portfolio of journeys. Remember, this is the framework to understand, measure, and maintain an optimal ratio of positive to negative emotions in your journeys. This is what good looks like. To be able to really create great journeys, we need to understand the baseline, the curve, and the punch. If you remember nothing else from this session, please remember these three things, baseline, curve, and punch. We need to measure these things to know what good looks like for different customer journeys. Ask yourself, are we creating that optimal ratio of um, positive to negative emotions? Make sure that you are, um, that you are creating that positive to negative uh, emotions. And remember, it's not about uh, the cake. It's not about delighting customers. It's about the cherry. It's not about the cherry on the cake. It's about the whole delicious cupcake. And you need to create that delicate balance of emotions that actually make it not a sugar rush, but an experience for your customers. Thank you very much. I look forward to your questions after the session. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.